This is Parsha Panorama. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Nusso here at the database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg. And here with Parsha's Nusso, we have what some know as the longest Parsha in the entire Torah. There's 176 Psukim. Parenthetically, the longest parak in Tehillim is also 176 Psukim. That's Parak Kufiyad Tess. And the longest Masechta and Shas in terms of Dapim of Abbasra. So it ends on Daf um, 176. So that's Kuf Ayin Vav. Now anyway, why that is is not what we're going to be talking about today, but what we are going to be talking about is how we could have possibly shortened Parsha's Nosso. Right, we take for granted, perhaps, that it's the longest Parsha, that every Pasuk that we feature in Parsha's Nosso, that our Masora features in Parsha's Nosso, belongs there. But if we could have reconfigured the Parsha Hashavua, perhaps this Parsha would have various sections taken out and put in different parashios. So why it is the way it is is something that we have to discuss here. That, among other things, after we thank our sponsors, firstly, Anonymous, and also Yonah and Chani Laster on their second-time sponsorship. Thank you all. And those who want to join them in the esteemed list of donors and sponsors, for the database, just reach out, reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. That's the data in the base, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com. You can make your sponsorship today. Okay, so let's talk about Parshas Naso. So, you may or may not remember from before Shavuos, we just came back from Shavuos break, so this week at the database is a shorter week, but what you might have remembered is that we left off Parshas Bamidbar with a question. And... Um, you know, it's one of those cliffhangers that it's only a cliffhanger if you're really paying close attention. Um, you know, it's not like Parshas Miketz, which ends on a really dramatic cliffhanger. Here, we are, um, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not a dramatic story, but if you're just thinking about the organization of the Parshios, how you would have split up the Parshios. So one quick thing we could have done to shorten Parshas Nasso immediately is to just put certain topics that seemingly are set and just keep them together. So what do I mean? Parshas Bamidbar, after discussing the census of Klai Yisrael, counting everybody, after um, you know, um, discussing the formation of the tribal encampments and everything that, you know, that, that, that entailed, so Bamidbar began describing the job description of the Shvatim of, or really the, the clans, the families of Levi. We know there are three of them. There are Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. However, Bamidbar only lists the job description for Kahas. And then only once we begin Parshas Naso do we begin with, uh, or do we resume really with Gershon and Merari. Right, so when we get to the specific components of the Parsha, you'll, you'll notice that really quickly. Now, other things that we have to take care of in terms of understanding Parsha's Nasso, the first question is, again, the question that we left off with last week, and that is, again, the, just the, keeping all the Levitic families together. Why do you have Kahas in one Parsha, and then you have Gershon Merari in the other Parsha? So that's the first issue we have to attend to. Other issues that we have to attend to are seemingly 
random miscellaneous topics that don't belong in Parshas Nasa, at least if we were separating and dividing the Parshas and allocating topics, these topics certainly would not have been in, in, in Sefer Bamidbar at all, as I'm about to argue. Um, you know, these might be considered wild card topics in, in Parshas Nasa. It doesn't really seem to contribute to the narratives that are about to unfold in Sefer Bamidbar. We already started talking last week about how Bamidbar is going to unfold and unravel into a series of unfortunate events that does not happen until next week's Parsha, Parsha's Baha'u'llah And when we get there, we'll have to see exactly where things go wrong. But in this Parsha, we have really seemingly random topics. And... I'll, you know, I'll call them out as we go through the specific components of the Parsha. And what we really need to figure out is what each topic in Nusso is doing here and what really is Parsha's Nusso, a Parsha, about. And hopefully, by the end of this year, we'll be able to address that question. Okay, so let's get to the specific components of the Parsha. If I would try to summarize, just to let the cat out of the bag really quickly... I would say that Parshas Nasso is about the continuation of the encampment discussion with a concentration on the maintenance of what I'll refer to as campus purity, and specifically for the sake of the Hashras HaShchina. Now, this might not mean anything to you now, but, you know, if you, if you just give it some time, you'll understand exactly what I mean. So let's, when we, let's, let's, let's get to the specific components. I have seven topics in Parshas Nasso, and here they are. The first one is we get the job description of Gershon and the job description of Merari. The job description, namely, what did they carry? So, for example, Kahas in last week's Parsha, the Chumash described that he carried basically the Kalim of the Mishkan. Gershon um, actually carries the Mishkan tent, and Merari carries the Mishkan structure. So we've got the Kalim, the tent, and the structure. This week's Parsha, we just have Gershon and Merari. Okay, fine. Second section, we have the Chumash describing the need for the purity of the camps. That, the, that, the, that there are really three different camps, and there's a different level of, of purity that's required of each camp. And there are different levels of impurity. Um, as we know, there's Tomas Mace, Tomas Zav or Zava, Tomas Mitzora. They're all very different, and there are different rules for each kind of tuma, and n- not necessarily is one tuma um, like the other. They have different sets of rules, and the different camps of the of of the bnei israel, the machane israel, there's also machane shchina, machane levia. These different camps have different sets of rules in terms of what kind of tuma is allowed to enter that camp, and obviously um, the machane uh, shchina being the most strict. Okay, so we have the commands for the purity of the camps. Section 3, we have a really strange topic that seemingly doesn't belong. We have the rules, for special rules for the carbon asham that's offered in the case of Gezel Hager or Matnas Kahuna. Very, very strange. When a person is supposed to... So a person's not allowed to steal the, uh, the, the assets of a ger why that's unique and why that's here, right? Karban Ashram, where does that belong? Certainly sounds like a Leviticus topic or a Vayikra topic. It sounds like this belongs probably just in Parshas Vayikra. That's where, where the Chumash describes the Karban Ashram. We have a special Ashram for Gezel Hager. And again, for neglecting to pay Matnas Kahuna, there's a certain kind of Karban Ashram that's offered for that. So we have some leftovers, it looks like, from 
from Vayikra. Then we get to the topic of Sota. Like, like, what's that doing here? What does that have to do with Bamidbar? What does that have to do with the encampment? What does that have to do with anything? Right, where, where would have we, we placed Sota? It's a very long Parsha. But maybe we would have put it maybe next to Yafas Toar, maybe next to the wayward son, right? Ben Sawir Mora. You have the wayward wife, you have the wayward son. Maybe we would have put it somewhere in Sefer Devarim, like Parshas Kiseitse. Maybe Kiseitse was ready long as it is. But you know what? Nusso right now is the longest Parsha. And, and you know, we, we, we could easily shorten it by just taking some topics and, you know, cutting them and pasting them somewhere else, right? If we could have put all of the Levitic families together, right, Gersh and Kasimurari, all of those could have been in Bamidbar. We could have started this Parsha with the commands about campus purity. And Sota doesn't seem to need to be here. The Asham for Gezel Hager Matanas Kuhuna doesn't seem to belong here either. So, so far, Nusso is really a Parsha about nothing. Right, like if we're trying to find a unifying theme, we don't really have anything. We just have a bunch of topics that really belong in other parshios. It's a very strange parsha. We really have to try to understand this. And Sota is followed by section five. It's partner parsha, Nazir. Right, Chazal already talked about the connection. So if we're looking for to try to find the panoramic view, the reason for juxtaposition of parshios, you can make the argument that wherever we're going to put Sota, we're going to put Nazir. Because right, Chazal say that whoever sees the Sota in her degradation should abstain from wine. Um, seeing what the what the woman did, the wayward wife, cheating on her husband, and you know, probably because she had a ruach shtos, some levity, some, and so we should abstain from wine, so therefore become a nazir. So if you want to say that wherever sota is, nazir is not going to be too far away, okay, who says sota belongs here? Right, so we have, so then we have sota, then nazir. Then six, we have the mitzvah of birchas kohanim. Okay, I guess like, where, where, where would you place that? Maybe you'd place that in taras kohanim? It's a, it's a small little parsha, right? We know about it. We just heard it on Yom Tov. We give this bracha to our kids. Um, for, the, for those who are have children, so we give that bracha to our kids every every uh, Friday night. Some say it in Krishna Alamita. Okay, fine. We say it every day. But what's it doing here? Right? So, again, another random topic. And then, finally, we have the Parsha of the Chanukah Samizbeach, which includes all of the gifts of the Nesiyim. Right, so and many people know this passage by heart, or, um, or at least um, each paragraph of the, of the longer passage we know by heart because this is laying on Chanukah. Each of the, the uh, Nesiyim, the tribal princes, offered a special set of, of karbonos, a tribute, uh, on the day that the Mishkan was inaugurated, the Mizbeach was inaugurated. And so part of the inauguration of the, of the Mizbeach was offering the Karmanus on the Mizbeach. And, um, and again, we lay in the San Chanukah, which celebrates the Chanukah San Mizbeach, something we spoke about back, in, uh, back around Chanukah time. And this apparently is a, is a point in the Torah where we're, we're going to elaborate on that, on that again, even though we know that the Mishkan, at least, was erected at the end of Sefer Shmos. And Vayikra was already telling us how to use the Mishkan. So now we're going back to that here at the end of, of Naso. And Baha'aloscha, we know from Chazal, actually picks up from that as well. We also know this from the Chanukah leaning, right? So we could have really argued that the Karbanas of the Nesim really belong in next week's Parsha. So again, Naso just seems to be a bunch of leftovers. So what is Naso really about? Okay, so now, now we understand a little bit where, where the challenges are. 
So now let's go back to those questions. So, again, as we mentioned last week, Kahasa's job was recorded in the end of Parshas Bamidbar. So we could really phrase this question in more than one way. We could say, why isn't Kahas also here at the beginning of Naso? Or, why not put Gershon and Merari's jobs back there at the end of Bamidbar? Now, what also works out kind of well is that if we would have included Kahas in this week's Parsha, you realize we wouldn't have even have to change much. The Parsha would have still been called Naso. So if you look at the end of Bamidbar, when we finally uh, get the, the... when we're finally introduced to the job description of Naso, the the Chomish the begins, Perik um, Dalid, Pasigalah, Vaidabr Shem Moshev, Yalaron Lemar, Naso, Esrosh, Benei, Kahas. So we have the, the counting, the same word Naso, we wouldn't have to, you know, we wouldn't have to change much. Parshas Naso should and could rightfully begin with Kahas. And yeah, if we would have put Gershon, Kahas, and Merari, if we would have put them all in, Sefer, in Parshas Bamidbar, then Naso would have had to have a different name. And, you know, that, that's not such a big deal. Right, so what would we have called the Parsha? We, we would have called the Parsha... Maybe uh, so. Then the the, the parak her, her, hey after the counting of Gershon Gus Merari, we get Vaidavshon Moshe Lemor Tzavis Bnei Sel Vishalchum in a Machane. So we could have called it Parshas Machane, right? Or Parshas Vishalchu. That that's when when the Chumash starts talking about campus purity. So we could have we could have done that, right? That we could have started the Parsha from there. So why 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 Taka did we not do that? So. The first step, I think, to noticing why Kahas would be separated from Gershon and Merari is actually what the Torah itself does. Sometimes a division is built in. And you've got to really look closely to recognize that there is a built-in division. Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear this observation anywhere. It's my own observation. But if you look, when Kahas is counted back in Bamidbar, we have a Vaidam Rosham Moshevial Aaron Lamar. Now, fast forward to the beginning of where Parshas Nusso, according to our tradition, begins. We have a new introduction of Vaidam Rosham Moshe Lamar. Interestingly enough, Aaron is not mentioned in this introduction. It's just Moshe. And what you'll also notice is when you fast forward to Merari, right? So Nusso begins counting Gershon. When you fast forward to Merari, Notice what the Torah does not do. Notice what is not in the Chumash. There is no new intro of Vaidabra Hashem al Moshe Lemur. It just says, B'nei Mirari l'mishpachot sam l'vei savasam sam. We do not have a new introduction that says, okay, now it's time for Mirari. It's Mirari's turn. So Kahas has an introduction of Vaidabra Hashem al Moshe Lemur. Then we have a new parsha of Vaidabra Hashem al Moshe Lemur for Gershon. And Mirari does not get its own What this seems to start telling us is that there's one section of just Gershon and Merari and there's another section of just Kahas. Now, this is clearly most noticeable by the fact that Bamidbar ends with Kahas and Nusso begins with Gershon and Merari but lest you think it's just something that Masora chose to do for some unknown reason, the Chumash itself is lending itself to this division, that there's Kahas on the one hand and Gershon and Merari on the other. Now why would that be? So, 
you might already be thinking towards what the answer is. But there's actually a Rashi. It's a very, it's a very basic Rashi. Look, look at this Rashi. This Rashi is at the end of Bamidbar. It's Perak Dalad, Pasuk Tezayin. And the Chumash in Tezayin says, Ufakudas Elazar. The charge of Elazar, the counting, the appointing of Elazar, Ben Aaron Akoin. And it describes what Elazar is going to do. Now, it's interesting that we have this. Why is it talking about this? So if you look at Rashi, Dibar Hamascha, Bukudas Kala Mishkan, says Vaod, and in addition, Hayamumuna al Masib Nekahas. Elazar was actually appointed over that which was to be carried out by the sons of Kahas. Litzavos Ish Ish, to give orders to each man, Alavodaso, according to his work, Vial Masao, and that which he had to carry. Vuhuha Mishkan Machlashabo, and says Rashi, this is what is meant by the words. The Mishkan and everything in it. Everything that was set forth above before Shazu in this paragraph. However, says Rashi, Aval Masa bene Gershon Umarari, but that which is to be carried by the sons of Gershon Umarari, She'enon Mikodesh Akadashim, which are not of the highest degree of holiness, they're not Kodesh Akadashim, Alpi Isamar Haya. These were carried out by the word of Isamar. Kemosha Kasabe Parshas Naso, like it says in Parshas Naso referring to that which is described in in Perak um, oh sorry that which is described yeah in Perak uh, Dalin Pasuk Chavches and Pasuk Lamed Gimel but what does this show you? Kahas was was supervised by Elazar Gersh and Merari are supervised by Elazar's younger brother Isamar we know that Elazar is going to become the Kohen Gadol not so by Isamar. Isamar is going to be a Kohen. He's a Kohen, but he's not going to be Kohen Gadol. So what does this show you? What is the difference between Kahas and Gershon and Merari? What's the basis for a division? What are they carrying? What's everyone holding here? Kahas holds the clay of Mikdash, also known as the clay Kodesh. The Aron, the Menorah, the Shulchan, the Mizbechos. Gershon has the tent of the Mishkan, still important. Merari has the structure of the Mishkan, also very important. But it's not, it's, it's not the main vessels. Kahas carries Kodesh HaKadoshim. And the end of Bamidbar and the beginning of Nusso are already cluing us in on this division that the holiness apparently calls for, for separation. There are different gradations in holiness. Right? We know that already that there's Kohen, Levi, Yisrael. And even within, you know, even within Yisrael, there might be different levels of Kedusha. Now, we know from Nazir, which is going to come later, that really anyone can tap into higher levels of Kedusha. Maybe that's already telling us why Nazir is here. Maybe you could say, as long as Nazir is here, we're going to throw a Sota in. We're going to offer some other suggestions as to what those Parshios are doing here. But let's enjoy this for now, that we can understand the difference between the end of Bamidbar and the beginning of Anasso. Why there's a there's a, um, a new intro for Gershon and Merari? Because the Chumash is saying, look, we're we're separating between Kodesh and Kodesh Hakadoshim, between Kahas and Gershon and Merari. Real life divisions that make a difference. So and so stark is this division, so stark and so stark that we actually have to put Kahas in one parsha, and then leave Gershon and Merari in their own parsha. That Gershon that, that Kahas is cordoned off as Kodesh HaKadoshim. 
And this sensitivity to division is something that we already began talking about at the end of, uh, or really at the beginning of last week, when we started Sefer Bamidbar, right? Looking at it from the global scheme, the panoramic view, what is Bamidbar about? One thing that I neglected to mention last week is that there's a transition between the end of Vayikra and the beginning of Bamidbar. Vayikra ends, Bahar Sinai. Bamidbar begins, Bamidbar Sinai. We have, on the one hand, the mountain of Sinai, then we have the wilderness of Sinai. We, we mentioned it in Muslim minutes. It didn't come up in Parsha Panorama. We, we were getting to it, but I, just, I, never, I never remembered to come back to it. But the point is, the transition says, now we're looking about, at how we're going to travel through the Midbar to get to our final destination. But one of the important aspects of our Midbar travels is the formation. And the formation depends on the division, the division of tribes, the division of, even within tribes, different levels of holiness. Sheva Levi, and even within Levi, different levels of holiness. And that's something that we have to be sensitive to here. We're going to see that that's going to carry us through the rest of this Parsha. That the sensitivity to different levels of Kedusha require different levels of conduct. And the, what we have to realize as a Klal, and each, of us, each one of us as Pratim, as individuals, as Yechidim, is that we each have a different role. And like we kind of started talking about this in Bamidbar, we have to know our boundaries. We have to know where we belong. And Bahaloscha, which begins the series of unfortunate events, really starts from people just not knowing where they belong. And, well, we'll get some more on that, but let's continue the Parsha. Now we, now we have a little bit of an understanding of where we are. Part of the sensitivity to the encampment is, no, is, is, is the... The, uh, the campus purity. So this is going to be important when we start addressing what looked like miscellaneous topics in Nusso. Right? Because as we said, there are a few seemingly miscellaneous topics here in Nusso that do not seem to fit at all with the number theme or the tribal theme of the Midbar, which we've at least been looking at thus far. So among those topics, we have Gezel from Aguer, and then we have, you know, the, the brother-sister topics of Nazir and Sota, beginning with Sota, concluding with Nazir. Now, why, in fact, does Nasa discuss these topics? Stealing from a Ger, Sota, Nazir. Just like, like, where does this come from? Again, we argued that these, these, these sections could be thrown, and they, they could be thrown into Sefer Vayikra, Sefer Devarim, and they'd be welcomed there with open arms because they would just fit in really easily. Here in Bamidbar, they're just very odd. So, we're going to have a couple of approaches. Stay tuned for an awesome approach from Rav Hirsch, which is going to weave all of the topics together. Let's start with some basic, basic Pashup shot. The Ramban says that the Chumash, right now at this point, even though this would be a topic that we would have argued belongs in, in Vayikra, the Chumash is highlighting, a, 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 when, again, a, the, another aspect of Karban Asham here, specifically to protect the Nichsei Ger, the possessions of the, of, the, of the convert. And why is that important here in Bamidbar, here in Sefer Bamidbar, in Parshas Naso? Because once we've finished describing the tribal encampments, the tribal uh, formations, you might think that the Ger is in danger. Why? Well, we remember at the very end of uh, Parshas Emor, there was a Ger who lacked pedigree, or there's someone who lacked pedigree because of his uh, father's household. He lacked patrilineal descent, 
and patrilineal pedigree. So you might think to take advantage of him. Therefore, here, when describing the encampment, describing the tribes, the Chumash is careful to protect the Nechsei Ager, that you shouldn't think that these are second-class citizens and try to take possession of their, of their possessions and taking advantage of them, quite frankly. So right here, the Chumash makes, makes a point to protect the Nechsei Ager. Okay, fine, so then why Sota? So the Ramban... I think also brings this down, but really Rashi for sure brings it down based on Chazal. That Sota comes here because while the Chumash is talking about possessions of the Ger, possessions of the Kohen, so the Chumash just says that there's what we might refer to as the Kahuna Karma. That's my own term. What's the Kahuna Karma? That if you neglect to pay your dues to the Kohen, if you, ne- if you neglect to visit the Kohen and give him what he is entitled to according to the Torah, so if you don't visit the Kohen, you're going to have to visit the Kohen. In other words, if you don't visit the Kohen, you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to, you know, visit the Kohen because your wife will become a sota chas v'shalom, and you you need to go to the Kohen to administer the ritual for the sota. Now, on its face, that's very strange. Like, well, what happens to free choice? Does this woman have a choice to become a sota or not? And um, this, this question was asked by my brothers, Rav Daniel and Rav Mendi. They both had this question. They both gave the same answer: that a person who doesn't um, take, um, you know, who, who doesn't take care of his priorities, uh, giving things, providing things where they belong, there's a good chance that even in his home he's not providing. And when people don't feel provided for, when people aren't, aren't being satisfied um, by by what they're entitled to, they're going to seek their satisfaction and entitlements somewhere else. So he's not taking care of his wife. His wife will try to get care from someone else. That's a possibility. So certainly Al Pitrash, this gives an explanation of some sort of connection. We might also say, this is my own observation, um, that this is actually connected to the Karbanasham, because in both places, by the Nikhsei Ger, and here in this parsha of Sota, the Chumash describes the act of Mo'alab Bamal, that you commit a treachery, you commit an offense. So you have an offense against Hashem, you have an offense against your spouse, you have an offense um, in general. So the concept of me'ilah we find in both places, apparently connecting them. So the Chumash is spending right now to talk about the concept of me'ilah. And you might also say that when the Chumash describes sota, coming off of the discussion about campus purity, so here we have multiple. So we have another reference to the concept of tuma. It talks about tuma um, in the camp. You shouldn't have tuma in the camp. That a, that it's sarua or a mitzora has to leave the camp. A zav or zav has to leave the camp. Someone who's tuma tame mes has to leave the camp. All because of tuma of tuma. Um, someone who's tame. So the chumash is lashon for sexual morality is also tuma. And it could be the chumash is trying to allude to different kinds of tuma, different levels of tuma, and. We shouldn't think that something that doesn't literally carry the a ritual purity of, of a Tommy Mace, for example, that an act does not itself carry Tama, it does. Right? So, you know, the idea that purity is not limited to the camp, but it expands to one's actions, and that's one's actions in society and at home. And then when we get to Nazir, we can also understand. The, again, what Rashi and Chazal say about the connections between Sota and Nazir. My brother of Daniel pointed out that there are other textual connections and thematic connections. For example, both have emphasis on purity and impurity. The, the conjugal acts of the Sota are 
um, you know, they have to deal with impurity. The Nazir is not allowed to become impure. There's an emphasis on the hair. The Nazir grows out his hair. The Sota's hair gets uncovered. And there's the command regarding a drink, right? The Nazir can't drink wine. The Sota, obviously, we say she drank, um, that she might have had wine. Either way, she has her own special potion drink that she has to drink, the Mehamarim Hamarim, the cursed and bitter waters. And we might just say, you know, Nazir and Sota are just opposite extremes of one another. One represents betrayal of a covenant. Nazir represents complete dedication to your covenant with Hashem and everything holy. But these are all, you know, these connections are, I would say they're small links. You know, they, 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 they sort of connect the dots a little bit. Like if you're doing, if, if you're doing a, you know, connect the dot, um, you, know, you know, one of those uh, coloring pages... So, we usually we hope that the connecting the dots is not just you know going from point A to point B to point C, but usually when you when you connect the dots, you want to see a fuller picture, right? Not just that A connects to B and B connects to C, but you would like to see that A, B, C, D, E, and F and G all make one big picture that we could that we could um, appreciate. And Rav Hirsch gives us that picture. So, what's the picture that Rav Hirsch paints for us? Rav Hirsch explains that the section in Naso of Nichse Hager, Gezel Hager, the section of Sota, the section of Nazir, are really all a continuation of the earlier topic about the, the three machanos, the three camps, the three forms of, of campus purity that are required, the three forms of impurity that have to remain outside the camps. So what exactly is this? So we have three topics... And we have three camps. So three topics over here are Gezel Hager, Sota, and Nazir. Right? So then we have the three camps. There's Machane Israel, Machane Levia, and Machane Shechina. The camp of Klai Israel at large, then the inner camp, which is special just for the Levian, and then we have a special camp just for the Shechina. The holiest things are there. Now, when it comes to these camps, there again, there are different levels of purity. So, for example, Tame Meis has to be outside the Machane Shechina. You can't be in there. Now, uh, a Zav, the Tama of a Zav, has to be outside even the Machane Levia. And then finally, the Tama of Tsarua or of Metzora. That has to be even outside Machana Yisrael. So there are different levels of, of Tumah that are worse than others. And explains Rav Hirsch that from these topics of, of Tsarua, Zav, Tamimes, Machana Yisrael, Machana Levia, Machana Shechina, we have parallels in these three topics of Gezel Hager, Sota, and Nazir. So the easiest connection is perhaps between. Nazir and Tamimes, right? The Machna Shechina corresponds to the Nazir. The Nazir represents the highest levels of purity. And then there, can't, there can't be any Tamas Mes, right? The Nazir cannot become Tamimes. So Nazir corresponds to Tamimes, the Machna Shechina. Sota corresponds to Machna Levia, which, um, um, which also um, um, it, there's a ban on the Tumah of Ziva or Zav being in there 
right? The scene of the tuma in both places, in Zav or Zava and Sota, is the reproductive organs, the reproductive area, the place for conjugal relations. So the Sota, the tuma of the Sota, represents the tuma of the of, of, of a Zav or a Zava, and that um, corresponds to the Machana Levia. And then finally, we have Machana Yisrael, which corresponds to the Mitzora and the Nichseh HaGer, taking advantage of the Ger. So if you think about it, the Ger is someone who might easily be a victim of Lashon Hara. Right? The Ger is someone who would like to be a part of society. This whole, the whole basis for his conversion is to be a part of society, to be a part of Kalal Yisrael. And what is the Mitzorah? The Mitzorah is anti-society, right? Anti-social behavior. The Mitzorah is someone who engages in anti-social behavior and he's kicked out of the camp entirely. The Ger wants to come into Machane Yisrael. The Mitzorah, he ultimately effectively ostracizes himself from Machane Yisrael and we, we ostracize him. So altogether, we have the, the Ger, the Sota, and the Nazir representing the different, the different camps of Kal Yisrael. It's incredible. And what, what this demonstrates for us as we are getting towards the end of the Parsha is that the Chumash is clearly highlighting different levels of holiness within the camp which require different levels of Tahara, different levels of purity. And ultimately, what, what emerges now is that already from the beginning of Nasa, we are already becoming sensitive to the division. Right? We don't even start with Kahas. We have Gershon Merari. So now that we start with Gershon Merari, we are already acknowledging division. There is division within the formation, within the camp. And this division it just is, is symbolic and representative of different levels of Kedusha that we all have to be sensitive to. And there are other explanations for the, for the different topics here, um, which we're, we're not going to get to right now. But... What, what, what we are seeing from the panoramic view is this sensitivity to different levels of Kedusha in the camp. And the Chumash, in, in this literary kind of way, and with the help of Rav Hirsch, you know, we, we paints this beautiful picture of the different kinds of sensitivity, the, the different symbols of purity and impurity that may or may not exist in the camp. And then, this the, 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 this aspect of sensitivity to the divisions of holiness and the encampments is actually furthered and bolstered by the end of the parsha. So we have Birchas Kohanim and then we have the Karbanos of the Nesiyim. With Birchas Kohanim, so what's that doing here? So Ramban, and once again Rav Hirsch, I'm giving us a connection, a very basic connection, that what's about to happen in the Chumash, the Karbanos of the Nesiyim which happened on the day of the Hakamas HaMishkan, the erection of the Mishkan, and the, the uh, Hanukkah's Mizbeach, the inauguration of the Mizbeach. So when all of this took place, so we know that the Chumash Rei tells us, if you look, they, uh, the Ramban Reverse, they both point us to Vayikra Tes Chof 9.22, where Aaron blesses Klai Yisrael after working on the Mishkan. What was the blessing? So that we find here. We find that was the bracha that he gave him, and it's finally mentioned here as we are celebrating the work of Klal Yisrael. Now, why exactly are we celebrating that here in Nusso and not, you know, somewhere at the end of Shemos, like in Vayakel and Pekude? 
And the answer, I believe, is right now we would be remiss to not talk about the tribal efforts, right, of, of, of each tribe to create the Mishkan project that it was. And now is where we need to see when we are thinking about the divisions of the encampments and the different reasons for different levels of purity and impurity, what is the basis for that? Right? Why, why are there different, you know, why do we have to be so sensitive when it comes to the different encampments? And the answer to this question is going to entirely relate to the Mishkan. The answer is, within the different levels of gatherings of members of Klai Yisra, within the different encampments, you have different levels of Hashras Shechina. Right, if you, if you, if you Look at Perkei Avos, right, in, uh, in Perak Dalid. So Perak Dalid is devoted to different, different kinds of gatherings of Klai Israel. And you know that the Shechina rests upon ten, and it rests upon even five, and so on and so forth. But the different manifestations of Kedusha, which require different levels of Tahara, this clearly speaks to the idea that Hashem's Shechina, there's different levels of sensitivity, there's different levels of Hashem's presence existing in different areas, right? One of the na- like part of the nature of the world is that Hashem eclipses Himself. He, he eclipses His Shechina, but there are places where His Shechina is more manifest than in others. This is by the nature of Tzimtzum. Hashem is able to constrict Himself and to limit the places where He exists in this world, even though we know Hashem is really everywhere. But manifest in real time, manifest in Halacha, manifest in our consciousness, in our actions, there are different levels of Kedusha, different levels of Hashem's Shechina, His presence among us. And that's what the whole point of the Machane Shechina is. There's a Machane Shechina, there's a Machane Leviya, there's a Machane Yisrael. Different levels of divine existence, of divine presence, of divine manifestation. And what was the whole point of the Mishkan? The whole point of the Mishkan was to create the place where Hashem could rest among us in this world, where Hashem's Shechina can be Shoreh, there could be Hashra's Shechina, His Shechina rests among us. And when we ask Hashem, when the Kohanim bless us, we're asking that Hashem guard everything that we have and to bless us in all these areas. And then we want Hashem to shine His face upon us. Right? And we with that, we, what, what are we asking for? Hashem, we want Hashem's shining smile. What does that mean? We want the Shekhinah to be with us and to be manifest in front of us. So that's actually what we're asking for. And by the time we get to the Karbanas of the Nesim, we can understand what they're going for. Right? They all offer their own Karban, they all have their own inspiration in offering the Karbanas, but each one represents a tribe. Each one's representing the Klal. Each one's representing an effort from each Shevet to contribute to the Hashras HaShechina that they're trying to make happen. Yes, this was a topic of Sefer Shemos as well. We spoke about this in Truma, Tetzaveh, Bayakel, Bekudeh. We spoke about this plenty. And that maybe over there was talking about, you could think about the collective of Klai Yisrael, you could think about the individual of Klai Yisrael, Kol Ish Asher Libo, each man whose heart motivated him. But right now, when we get to Bamidbar, we're looking at the tribal effort. But that's what Bamidbar is. Bamidbar is about the tribes working together, recognizing the differences, recognizing the differences in level of Kedusha that some might have over the others, and hopefully knowing your role and being okay with it, having an understanding that Hashem knew what He was doing when He made the divisions. Yes? But each one contributing. And that, that I believe, is what this parsha is a parsha about. 
The Parsha of Parshas Naso is about understanding the differences, the division, understanding what is required for campus purity, the reason for the campus purity, the hashras shechina that exists in different forms, in different parts of the camp. And Be'ezras Hashem, when we get to Baha'aloscha, so we'll be able to see with, with clearer eyes where exactly we went wrong in history and hopefully be able to be metakin so that we'll never you know, go off in that direction again. To be able to appreciate the different levels of Kedusha that is manifest in all areas of the Machina Yisrael, to be respectful of the different levels, to have the sensitivity of Kedusha and Tara, and we should be Zoha really to see the, the, these real life you know, um, levels of Kedusha, to, to be Zoha to see the Shrasashrina again, Bezras Hashem. Anyway, that takes us through Parshas Naso. Thank you for joining us here. And we'll pick up with Parshas Baloscha. We'll see you next time here at the database.